Well, once again, dear church family, this Lord's Day will be focusing really upon the Saviour's words, the only Saviour of sinners' words in Matthew's Gospel 6, uh, 20, verse 21, where the Saviour says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Lord Jesus here is warning us of the great danger, of course, of worldly mindedness. The great danger of being worldly minded, earthly minded. Of course, this was the great symptom, wasn't not, as we see in this passage of scripture, the great symptom of the Pharisees and the, and the scribes' hypocrisy. It was worldly mindedness. And this, of course, is also true of all those who are living outside of Christ, away from Christ, in habitual sin, in continual sin. They live in worldly mindedness, not heavenly mindedness. Romans 8, 6 through 8 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's an enemy to God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those are solemn words, aren't they? If you're worldly minded, you cannot please God. Now friends, with that said, true believers can also be guilty of being Worldly minded, worldly minded. All true believers will tell you that. From time to time, we can become spiritually distracted. We can become spiritually complacent. We can not frame our lives around uh, the Lord's words. But with that said, dear friends, this is not the theme of true believers' life. It's not the, the tone and theme of their lives. Upon conversion, they receive the Holy Spirit of God and they fight against worldly-mindedness. They fight against everything that seeks to dethrone Christ, doesn't it? Uh, They have Christ dwelling in them. They cannot live with a defiled conscience anymore, a broken conscience. They must live with a clear conscience before the God that sees the heart and the mind, you see. Now, with that said, dear friends... With that in mind, let us dig a bit deeper, really, into the Saviour's words here, this Lord's Day. The Lord says here in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, But, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, as to imply that this is not something which comes natural to us, isn't it? In fact, all of us, by nature, do the exact opposite of this, don't we? We just seek to live for the here and now, don't we? Really, if we're being honest with the Lord God. The laying up here, of course, has in mind to store up. To store up. To, to lay up is to store up provision for that which will truly last for eternity. That's where we're going to spend our destination in eternity. 
to store up, to lay up will that which will truly last forever for our never dying souls. And consider that men take the time and the pains to lay up, to store up everything, but that which will truly profit their souls, their eternal destination. And so to lay up in this sense is to lay up snares, really, for one's eternal, for one's eternal destination. It's really for that. And so let it be understood, therefore, dear friends and church family, let it be understood that there is therefore, what is the reward? What is the reward and the end of earthly and worldly mindedness? What's the end of it? What's the reward of it? What will it bring you? And we know, do we not, from the scriptures, what it will bring us? It will bring us eternal separation from the God of all love and mercy and peace. The God, dear friends, who is showered upon every blessing here, which we have our our breath, which he gives us all good, it will bring us untold misery, being separated from the God who gives us everything. In how? That's what worldly mindedness, that's the end, isn't it? Of being worldly minded. And so to store up wealth and the abundance of earthly riches over that of heavenly riches is really like loading up a sinking ship, isn't it? This, this world, dear friends, is like a sinking ship, isn't it? And everything in this world is sinking with it, including us. And what peace, therefore, will they give you when suddenly you and I have to part with them in judgment? All those things that we labor for under the sun, they're just going to pale into insignificance, aren't they? And friends, let me tell you now, if you want to be a rich man, you're always going to be a poor man in the eyes of God, aren't you? Your my position in this world is not who you are. It's not who I am. You know, I, I, in my working career, I spent a stint in London on the FX markets, on the stock exchange markets. And I remember coming as a bit of a country bunkin to, uh, to the FX markets and Knightsbridge. And everyone there uh, with all the latest clothes and watches, thousands of pound watches. And I was on the corporate team. And, they, and the, they, they, they were, they, it was all about who you were. It was all about your position. It was all about your position. That's who you were, what you drove, who hung off your arm. Uh, it, was, it was all about the flesh, really. But that is not who you are, friends. That is not who you are. Our society will have you think that that is who you are. But that's not who you are. Who you are is who you are before God when you're all alone and no one's there. That's who you are, dear friends. And so this world, like I said, would have you think that who you are is dependent upon the grandeur of your career the health of your bank account, as it were, the substance of what you have in this life, your status in society, the abundance of things that you have, who you're with, all these things. Like I said, friends, that is not who you are and who I am. Who are you? Who am I, who am I when we're all by ourselves, alone before the Lord God? Does God have your thoughts? Does he have your affections? 
Does he have your desire? Does he have your mind? Or are you worldly minded, earthly minded, just consumed with the here and the now? Now, friends, don't get me wrong. It is not sinful to have wealth or the good things that God has given us to all of us. God has given us many good things uh, which are needful and which we can use and which we can enjoy. However, such things, even good things, really can become hell's lodestones to us. The heavens can turn to iron to us, dear friends, if we prioritize these things and, and our hearts are preoccupied with these things and our hearts and minds really are consumed by these things. If these things are our confidence and we say that these be my gods and they take up all our time and effort and strength, Dear friends, well, what value, what value will they be in the end? Of course, the treasure described in today's text here of what the Saviour is speaking about does not only have in mind outward strength, outward treasure, outward wealth and the things of this life. It also has in mind what we deem to be most precious. What do we deem to be most precious in our lives? Treasure, after all, is precious, isn't it? People give up much to find treasure. What is most precious in your life, in my life? What are you giving your heart and your strength and your desire and your mind to? To the Pharisees and the scribes, of course, it was their treasure was the praise and honor of men. That's what they live for. That's what was most precious. To them, their giving, their almsgiving, their praying, their fasting, all good things, all needful, biblical things, if done for the right reasons, by faith to the Lord. But they were, all their giving, all their praying, all their fasting was done with an eye to men and not to God. You see, it was, it was done for the wrong reasons. And friends, it must be said that the West has become no better We cannot point to them. We in the West have become no better at all. I am absolutely convinced that we in the West are seeing a judicial hardening. A judicial hardening has come over the West because as a nation we have spurned God's love and God's mercy and God's blessing. He has showered upon us in days gone before. Our great heritage, the great uh, revivals of past, we have spurned them. The salt has lost its savour. And wherewith shall it be uh, salted with? How many millions, dear friends, how many millions of professing Christians in the West know nothing really of true, vital, born again Christianity in Christ? true undefiled religion in Christ, the life of God dwelling in man, truly living from the Lord with their heart and their mind. Every day, not just a one or twice a day, not just becoming serious for a few hours every week, every day to the Lord. For many Christians, it is no more than a secondary backup. Christ, his gospel, is no more than just a backup, a secondary thought, as it were. Well, I don't like to think of going to hell, but 
I'm not going to give my life to Christ. I'll just become serious on the Lord's Day. I just become serious a few times a week about these things. When my 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 conscience troubles me, I I'll just get get a bit serious. There's a cost, isn't there, for becoming a true disciple? A life for a life, and nothing less. Of course, it is very telling when you meet many professors in the West in our days, where the word of God has no authority or bearing upon their lives. It's it's very telling, isn't it? A cherry-picking Christianity. A uncommitted Christianity. I'm not committed to Christ, not only in his church, but in my day-to-day life. Completely uncommitted. Just a a cherry-picking Christianity that fits in with my worldly lifestyle. Just enough to be saved, as it were, but not really saved. Instead of true belief and faith, in the Saviour's words and promises. Well, the words of Hosea 5, dear friends, really ring true of our days, don't they? They are so relevant to our days. He says, They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. They have not known the Lord. Yes, they claim to know the Lord, but they don't know the Lord relationally. They don't have a true, abiding, real relationship like you would with any other person, but more so every day. They do not know the Lord. Hosea, dear friends, repeatedly exposed Israel's, Ephraim, Israel's, Judah's unfaithfulness and hypocrisy from the king to the priest to the average Joe to the citizen. All were guilty, weren't they? Sin, wickedness, injustice was being tolerated and accommodated, wasn't it? In the land, in the church, as it were, in the home, and everywhere. Just being accommodated. The people secretly, didn't they, privately broke God's commandments with abandon and they tried to conceal it. They worshipped false deities like Baal. And they made allegiances. They put their strength in the Assyrians, as it were, instead of the God of Israel. This cultural pragmatism. And then they went to the temple to worship God, didn't they? As if everything was well, if all was well. And as if God did not see these things. You see, they just tried to conceal They just try to conceal these things from the God who sees the heart and the mind. And no wonder why Hosea says in verse 3 of Hosea 5, Israel is not hid from me. You're not hid from me. I see your heart. Yes, you come and give me lip service, but your heart is far from me. You're breaking God. You're breaking my commandments secretly, privately. You're setting other things before me in your life, other idols. I'm not first in your life. I'm just a backup. I'm just secondary, as it were. Israel is not hid from me. These things cannot be concealed from me. And in verse 4 of Hosea 5, the the messenger of God says, They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. 
They have not known the Lord. You see, that they are not willing to, to change their lifestyle from the heart. A, a heart lifestyle. A complete change. They're not willing to do that because their heart is not right with me. Yes, they have known the Lord. They have known the letter, as it were, intellectually. They know much about the Lord and his word intellectually. But they do not know him relationally. They do not have a true relationship according to the Spirit. That's what Hosea is saying here. You know much about me. You know much of the word, of the law, but I don't have a relationship with you. I want, I want you to experience the power of my salvation, the power of my love. I want you to, I want you to, to know you intimately. In other words, God is saying, I want a true heartfelt relationship with you. I want all of you. Not just a part of you, not just a few hours every A few times a week. I want every part of you. Especially your heart and your mind. I want you to experience my pardoning love and mercy and forgiveness upon your life. I want a complete renovation to take place in your heart. And I will do it. Of course to demonstrate this. As we know Hosea is directed by almighty God to marry a notorious woman. Gomer, Gomer, isn't, isn't he? And they had three children, didn't they? Yet Gomer, we, as we know, repeatedly commits adultery with Hosea, despite Hosea's faithfulness to her, uh, Hosea's faithfulness, despite his love, his pardoning love, his long-suffering, his patience with her. And things really as she continued to do this, things continued to go downhill for Gomer, didn't, didn't she? Her wicked lovers, who, de- who deceived her, used her and abused her, didn't they? And she ended up being indebted to them, didn't she? She ended up being broken off from all that was good and lovely, indebted to her deceitful lovers, abused, polluted, The grass was not greener on the other side, was it, for Gomer? As these deceiving lovers had promised. And she ended up being all alone, polluted, broken off from all that she knew in her heart to be true and lovely. And of course, this we know was very true of Israel, was it not, dear friends? And this, friends, is very true of all of us. And I really speak from experience, dear friends. I don't point the finger at anyone here today. I speak from experience. But you know, friends, God in his love sends Hosea. He sends his word that runs swiftly to find, to seek out the gomers of this world. And all her brokenness and all her failures and shame and all her nakedness and indebtedness And despite her repeated unfaithfulness, he sends Hosea to go find her out, to seek her, to find her, to pay off her debt of her lovers, to commit his original covenant of of love and faithfulness to her, which was ever open to her. 
And to take off those spoilt garments and ragged attire and to clothe her from head to foot with the pure spotless wedding garments. And to restore her fully. The Lord, friends, can do this for you and for me. He can do it for you and for me. Like Hosea, the Lord knows your heart, friends. He knows what's in your heart. The Lord knows your mind, dear friends. He knows what's, what you're thinking about. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our failures and sins. And that this wonderful God, the true God, of all love and grace and mercy, still, still wants to have a real relationship with you. Isn't that amazing? We've treated him like this. We are like Gomer. And he still comes after us. He still wants to have a relationship with you. He still sends his son into the, into the world to suffer and die for you. To pay the full debt of your sin. To give you his, his wedding, a, a pure holy wedding garment. To wrap that around you as if you never sinned. As if you never went a-whoring from him. This is, this is the true God, friend. This is true, lasting love. And mercy from above. He still wants to have a relationship. A real relationship. A heartfelt relationship. With you. Where you can truly know and experience. His pardoning love. And mercy. You can know of the power. Of God's love. And free grace. And salvation, which he achieved on the cross of Calvary for you. You can. I'll never ever forget the day that when the Lord saved me. I'll never forget it. I, I went after the things of this world, the lovers of this world. And friends, I just tell you now that, that, that I just never found satisfaction at all. Trying to fill the temporary, the eternal with the temporary, it will fail. I remember when Jesus Christ came into my heart. I never, ever felt love like that before, ever. <laughs> and his love just has filled my heart. He's just, he's everything to me. And this is true of every believer. You're just ravished with him every day. You can't get enough of him. His love cannot be bound. There's no measure to his love and his mercy, is there? It's just wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful love, friends. Do you know of this power, this power that conquers all your fears, this, this wonderful love? And the lovers of this world, the things of this world cannot give you this love. It's just an empty love. It's a temporary love, friends. Would you be mindful of him today? Mindful of him calling you through the conscience, through your heart, through the written word, through general revelation, through his goodness we see to all, would you be mindful of him? Would you be heavenly minded? Would you lay up treasures in heaven? Would you consider that true treasure that came from heaven to enrich your soul, to save you? That is true lasting treasure, dear friends. Not earthly treasure that is subject to loss and decay. Oh, friends, that is the treasure that has come from heaven to save us, to truly give us lasting, solid treasures and joy. God made you. God made you and me for himself. He made you to have a, a real heartfelt relationship with you. You're created 
for him with an eternal soul. That's more to life. There's more to life, friends, than just the here and now. There's more to life than that. Than just for the appetites and passions of the flesh. Friends, such a mindset, such a mindset is to lay, really is to lay up fat around the, the soul of the heart. It's gonna not it's not gonna end well, is it? This worldful mindset, dear friends, is to continue to play the harlot, the goma, with God, to reject his entreaties to you, his love, his calling, his seeking after you. God will will not be a backup, friends. He will not be secondary. He wants all of you, he wants a real relationship with you from your heart. Will you spurn God today? Will you spurn his entreating of you, his seeking of you? Like Gomer, his faithfulness, his love, his seeking of you, his restoring of you, his paying of your full debt. Will you spurn that for one more day? And perhaps you're one sat here today and a part of you is afraid. I, I felt a bit of that, really. You're afraid to lose this world and all the promises that people have promised you, the, all the pressure that's put upon you, you're, you're afraid really to, to lose it all. You're not sure if God is truly calling you or visiting you today. Well, in, in Hosea's day, in Hosea 5, 12 and 14, as I mentioned earlier, God likens himself to a moth and a lion, doesn't he? Why does he do that? A moth, of course, we know is very soft, isn't it? It's a very subtle creature, very quiet creature that unbeknown to us gets into our clothes and into the drawers and into the closets and slowly eats away at the garments, doesn't it? Unbeknown to us sometimes. And this, dear friends, is how God often speaks to us in our conscience. God is the the moth of our conscience, slowly speaks to us, convicts us of our, ne- our sin and our need of him day to day. There's something wrong. There's something not quite go- going on in our life. I need truth. I need God in my life. I need to have a relationship with him. I need to seek first his kingdom first. Are you ignoring the moth of conscience, dear friends? If he's burdening your conscience, if he's speaking to your conscience this day, he's calling you. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore it, dear friends. Like a moth-eaten garment, our consciences can be so torn and neglected by God's neglected. We neglect his love, don't we? God speaks to us through our conscience, friends. Are you listening? Are you stopping the mouth of conscience? Are you living with a defiled conscience before Almighty God? Or will you listen to him? Like Gomer, your life, dear friends, like I said, is, be, is like a moth-eating garment. Everything is falling to pieces, as it were. The fine garments that are laid up for the, the deceiving lovers of this world are moth-eaten. They're like rags, aren't they? And Christ, dear friends, can give you pure and holy garments which can never, ever be torn, never be tainted with a spot of sin. You'll never, ever be, they will never be subject to decay, will they? ever he will give you his own obedience imagine that that god would love you in such a way that he would 
put upon you his own spotless righteousness and obedience as if you've never sinned. He's willing to do that, go after you and forgive you and put upon you that wedding garment to be espoused to you. He's willing to do that, isn't he? Every lover of this world, friends, every lover of this world and thief will be aimed at the house of those who lay up worldly treasures. Will it not? It's not secure, is it? It's just not secure. It's not going to last. It will not... And friends, there is a, 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 a severe warning in this. If we will not hear the mouth of conscience, God will be as a lion of providence to us, won't he? He will come in and tear like a lion. That's what the, the messenger of God is saying here. We don't want it to go that way, don't do we? But sometimes it has to. And I know that was true of me. I just kept on defiling conscience. Everyone was around me. My brother was saved. My sister was saved different ways and their life was changed and God was bringing other Christians in my life I just continued to ignore that God came in as a lion to me because I kept on defiling conscience the moth of conscience I lost it all in a very short space of time just I remember (laughs) living in an attic you see sometimes God has to do that and that is a mercy friends that is God's love because it's better to go into heaven maimed, isn't it? Than for our whole bodies and souls to be cast into hell. And so, dear friends, let us listen to the moth of conscience. Listen to God's voice today. He loves, he wants to have a real relationship. But those who lay up treasure in heaven will have an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away. Oh, what a wonder that is. That God would give us an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away. Not the phony inheritances of this world. Our names are written in heaven. We will enjoy pleasures forevermore at his right hand. The Lord will feed you, friends, with the bread of life. With his word, dear friends, which is forever settled in heaven. The finest of food, heaven's food. He will not feed you with the deceiving words of men and the lovers of this world. Would you be mindful of him today? of his entreating of you today, of his loving heavenly words to you. Will you discern that these are not my words, this is God speaking to you? How undeserving, dear friends, we are of his love and of his mercy and of his grace. We are so undeserving, aren't we? And O Father in heaven, forgive me. I have sinned against heaven and against thee. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Blot out my transgressions, O Lord. Wash me and I will be white as snow. I've lived away from you in my sin, in habitual sin, in worldly mindedness, in in riotous living. Hide your face from my sin, O Lord. I have prioritized the creature over the creator. Forgive me, have mercy upon me, Lord. Upon me, Lord, according to your love, blot out my transgressions. Deliver me from guilt. You are my saviour. David, you see David often crying these words. (laughs) Is this how you feel? I believe now that through Jesus Christ, your son, I can have a real heartfelt relationship, a spirit-filled relationship with you, not just an intellectual one. I can know personally and intimately of your love and your mercy 
and your grace and that cleansing fountain that just keeps on pouring upon grace and forgiveness and pardon to me. I can be espoused and wedded to the divine. I can know of eternal truths and peace and solid joy and security with my God. Forgive me. Cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a new heart, O God. Make me again. Create in me a new heart. Put a right spirit within me. Save me. Cast me not away. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Fill me with thy Holy Ghost. Uphold me, O Lord. Friends, you can put it in your own words. But if your heart is thus minded, a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord God will not despise. You have treated, you have true lasting treasure and joy, dear friends, which can never ever be taken away from you if you're thus minded. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.